Well, I was. Good evening, everybody. It's a great to have you join us here tonight. I'm Fabrizio Sunsaun from the Spirit Society of Bournemouth. I'm very pleased to join you again with Florence Saville from the Pool Christian Spiritualist Church. We warmly welcome you tonight to another one of our online broadcasts together. I'm so pleased also to welcome our guest speaker, Dr. Dan Assis. So just before I hand it over to Dan, let me give you a little bit brief um, bio about Dr. Dan. So Dr. Dan um, speaks on spirituality and spiritism in the US and internationally. Known for a mix of irreverence and deep thinking, Dan shares a message of hope and love through rational faith that both inspires and educate audience about our spiritual nature. Dan is the founding member of the Spiritist Institute. You can also find him as the host of the Spiritist Conversation podcast. Daniel holds a doctorate degree in education and a master in public administration with a graduate certificate in public policy from the University of Southern California. So Dan, it's a pleasure to have you here all the way from California. So over to you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Fabrizio. It's great to be here. Thank you, Lawrence, for also um, opening the connection here uh, today as well for all of us to be together. I know it's roughly about, I think, 7 o'clock out there in the UK. It is about 11 a.m. here in California. Um, so we are not only crossing the boundaries of time, but also of space. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, thank you for, for having me. Um, I'm also very excited to chat with you today a little bit about spiritism um, and what is spiritism. I know that we have oftentimes come together to talk about different topics, and I feel like spiritists and spiritualists are all peas in the same pod, but we have not necessarily perhaps addressed what are the similarities and what are the differences, if any, between spiritism and new spiritualism in general? So today, um, we are going to take a little bit of time to have a conversation about that, uh, to dive in a little bit more about what is spiritism. And uh, hopefully, if you don't get too tired of me, you will have a chance to also interact and ask some questions um, as we go along. Does this sound like a plan? Most yes. definitely. Most definitely, Dan. That sounds a brilliant plan. <laughs> Great. And, and Lawrence, anything else that you want to add before we jump in? No, I'm just uh, welcome again, Dan. It's so nice when I found out that you were going to take this evening for us because you're a wonderful speaker and orator and a wealth of knowledge. And it is, we've been working in conjunction with the Spiritist both physically here in the church in the past and quite a lot online. But it, we've never broached that subject. We've never actually said, okay, what is spiritism? And how does it relate to spiritualism? And how does it relate to spirituality? So I think a long overdue conversation and we couldn't be in better hands than yours tonight, Dan. Oh, thank you. But you, you know that you invited me, right? Not a wonderful or charismatic speaker. So I think you might have gotten the wrong person there when you said there's no nice words, but I will take them. Okay. Yeah, but he, he counseled and then you stepped in. So that's okay. You know, we, we take the hit. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Um, 
But I am really, really excited to be here with all of you today. Um, I feel a kinship between us and I am always excited to see um, humans uh, trying to connect to the divine uh, across the world. It really renews me, inspires me to know that miles and thousands of miles away, we have people trying to do exactly what we're trying to do here in this corner of the world, which is to be a better person um, every day, a little bit more than uh, we were before. Um, and I'm also very grateful that we have a chance to talk about spirituality and spirits in general, because I feel like that is one layer of the world that is sorely missing in our days. We have sometimes forgotten about our immortal spirit, or should I say our immortal nature. And that shows, that shows in the world when we are making decisions that perhaps are not as wise spiritually as they could be. So I'm excited about the chance to practice our spirituality a little bit of talking about spiritism and spiritualism, because at the end of the day, the words are very similar. The concept are, the concepts are very similar and they all have come from the same place, from the same source. Um, not to go too much into this, but I think we all know the history of spiritualism. I think this group over here may, uh, may be particularly versed in that. Uh, but spiritism and spiritualism really started at the same time. Uh, very little difference there. As a matter of fact, uh, if you were to pick up the foundational book of spiritism, uh, written by a man called Alain Kardec, you will find that in the first page of the first book, you see at the top, Spiritism, a spiritualist philosophy. So from the beginning, you were going to notice that Spiritism and spiritualism are intrinsically connected. But what does it mean? What does it really mean and what, are, what is the relationships? What are the differences? And that's what we're hoping to talk a little bit about today um, and invite your thinking and your questions as well. I hope not to take too much time, uh, but then again, sometimes I get carried away because I like this topic so much. And in which case, we are going to have to ask Fabrizio Lawrence to just use that hook, you know, from the Oscars and just kind of pull me, pull me from the stage um, as we talk about this. Um, uh, but before doing that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for our friends who are online. Thank you, Darnell. Hi, Val. How Eddie, I see Wendy, uh, Joanne, Linda Marie, Valeria. Paula, so many wonderful people. I am honored to have a chance to share this time with you. Uh, and I hope that you interact and let us know what you think and what are your questions. And if you don't understand something I've said, uh, it's probably because I'm not that smart. So make sure you, you pop that in the comments and question to say, hey, Dan, uh, what do you mean by this? Or that didn't quite settle very well. And we'll get back to it. We'll try to revisit, okay? Um, but to start, um, you know, we know that uh, what is now called spiritualism that started as sometimes called as new spiritualism had its origins in the uh, middle of the uh, 19th century. So we're talking about the 1840s and 1850s, really. Um, but if we are to look at the word spiritualism, uh, we know that it has pre-existed that time and that spiritualism has really in the broader sense, historically speaking, come to mean the belief in something spiritual. Now, what that belief is, is probably debatable, right? In, in it's many different forms, but it's the belief in the spirit. So from that perspective, we can think that 
every religious doctrine or religion or philosophy or thinking process that believes in the spirit is in a certain way spiritualist, right? Um, but that sometimes creates a little bit of confusion because, you know, we have folks who have different sects and believe in different things. So sometimes different words are helpful in us narrowing in and on what we are really thinking about. So the idea from the beginning that Kardec has was to coin this new term called spiritism in 1853 and eight to, from 1853 to 1857 with the publication of the Spirits book. Um, where he really says, for new ideas, uh, new words are needed to avoid this confusion that naturally comes from trying to talk about different things with the same words. So, in a roundabout way, what I'm talking about is that spiritism is spiritualism, is definitely connected and very overlapped over spirit spiritualism, but in it has some tenets and some concepts that not all spiritualists take to heart. So um, we're gonna talk a little bit about those, but for instance, reincarnation is one of those, right? All spiritists will naturally accept and look at reincarnation as a part of spiritual life, but not all spiritualists may do that, right? Does that make sense? So, so all spiritists are necessarily spiritualists, but not all spiritualists are necessarily spiritists. Imagine a circle and the big circle of spiritualism and a smaller circle within that bigger circle is spiritism. So spiritism is contained within spiritualism, but has some differences. And then you may ask, then that's all nice and, and, and cozy, but tell me what really is spiritism? So I am going to actually leverage a definition given by um, Alain Kardec, which spiritists call the code of fire of spiritism. That is to say, the man who had the task of compiling different bits of information into what we now know as the Spirits book, um, which became the foundational piece of Spiritism. And we can talk a little bit about how that book was brought about too, because I think that it's a fascinating process. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I am going to pull my PowerPoint up here, my presentation, so that you can have a sense of what we're talking about. So Alain Kardec um, mentioned that spiritism was a science that studies the nature, origin, and destiny of spirits, as well as their relationship to the physical world. You might have noticed that, that I have substituted the word science for a dynamic body of knowledge. And the reason why I have done that is because um, oftentimes nowadays in the modern world, when people think about science, sometimes they think about test tube science. They think about calculator science. They think about you know, engineering and hard sciences. We have forgotten a little bit that there's also human sciences. There's also psychology that's also a science and everything else. So to make that more abundantly clear, I have used the term a dynamic body of knowledge to imply that this is a structured way of thinking that evolves with time. But I think that this definition is a really powerful one for me. So what I like to do, if that's okay with you, I actually like to go ahead to, um, to uh, I actually like to go ahead and um, color code some of these pieces here so that we can talk about them in chunks, right? So it always helps me to break things down in smaller pieces to see how they also connect and stand on their own. So 
To do that, I have color-coded a dynamic body of knowledge. I have also taken studies. I have also taken nature, origin, and destiny, and spirits, and relationship to the physical world, as you may see in your screen there. And I want to talk about these different pieces, and then we can kind of see how they come together. But these are the topic, the, the, the different parts that come to my mind, that, that spring to my attention when I first read um, uh, this, this, this definition. So let's dive in uh, a little bit more into that. So let's dive into this idea of a dynamic body of knowledge. One of the things that I have, I find really fascinating about spiritism and spiritualism, but specifically about spiritism, and has transformed the way I see the world and quite frankly has changed my life too, is the realization that until about the 1850s, our approach to the spiritual, uh, even when there was revelation involved, was a very interesting one. On the left side of your screen, you see what I mean. We would have a revelation. We would have a contact with the spiritual world somehow, which has always happened throughout history, whether we have called uh, those who had an interaction, uh, shamans, oracles, high priests, sibyls, uh, prophets, whatever it is that you call, that was a different name for mediumship. There was always this encounter with the divine. Somebody would have this experience and then it would translate that experience, that individual experience into an idea. Right, so I've learned that there's God, here's what I think God is, and here's how I think that we should think about this from now on. So it was really an interesting perspective because you went from the, from, the, from the philosophy to the ideas and to the facts. Um, and that's a very valid approach, but it's also a, a delicate one because with time, that message can change because it's based on a philosophy first. But in the 1850s, when we start having the Fox sisters in the United States, the turning and tipping tables in Europe, that reality begins to fundamentally revolutionize itself. And we no longer start with a philosophy first and then work out the details of what's actually uh, happening. Instead, we begin to look at facts. And then we start to develop our ideas based on those facts. An example is the Heightsville phenomena in upstate New York, uh, where Katie and um, uh, Katie Fox started to hear these knocks or in, in, her, in their house and starts to engage with the spirits and ask questions and say, you know, tap twice if it's there. And then the knocks would repeat themselves. The same happened in Paris in the 1850s when many different people would choose to go to these seances in these saloons because frankly they had nothing else to do there was no netflix there was no tv so you had to find yourself a way to entertain yourself right this is um in a part of our history as a humanity where we are getting better at providing for ourselves we don't need to work as hard as we used to in the past years we can have food and things cater to us so we have all this free time what are we going to do with that we begin to poke into the universe in different ways. And, and what begins to happen in Paris, France, uh, is that all these different people start playing with these tables and they start to levitate and make uh, noises and tip. And people are incredulous about this. And they wanna know, they wanna know what's happening. So the beginning of spiritism does not start as a religious experience. 
it starts as a scientific approach to trying to understand what are these phenomena that are taking place. That's fundamentally different than anything we have ever, ever had in history, the way I understand it, which I think is fascinating. Because the man that was uh, asked to look into this phenomena by a group of people was called Hippolyte Léon Denisard Rivel. He was a French educator who did not want anything to do with this. His friends came to him and say, I value your opinion. I think you should really look into this and help us understand what this is. And he's like, nah, this is, this is, this, I have no time for this. I am trying to better the world. I'm an educator. I'm doing all these different things. But after his friends insist, he does look at it and something very interesting occurs. He realizes that obviously if tables are moving and it's not a result of fraud, something is behind that movement because tables don't have a central nervous system. They don't think for themselves. So how can they reply to requests and questions? How can they knock or tip to one side or to the other observing a command? It's impossible for a table to do that. Therefore, it was not the table itself, but it was some sort of force behind that table, right? And he has a wonderful sentence we might revisit. He says that every intelligent, so every effect has a cause. And every intelligent effect has an intelligent cause. So if there is order in the effect, if you can see order around you and it obeys a certain sense of order, then whoever structured that had to understand and set that order in motion. And that becomes a really interesting way at looking at life. But before getting ahead too much here, what I find really interesting about spiritism is that from that moment, an interesting search started in France and elsewhere in the world, but specifically with Kardec. And by the way, uh, Alain uh, uh, Rivail, the French educator, was eventually told by the good spirits that he was not to use his name because it was not to be his work. This is the work of the spirits. Hence, they asked him to use the name of one of his previous incarnations, Alain Kardec, um, because this new idea was to stand on its own without having to be attached to his persona and to his identity, which was already well established as an educator in that part of, of the world. And so, and that's also the reason why, for instance, the first book of the Spiritism, the foundational book, it's now called, it's not called the Book of Kardec. It's called the Book of the Spirits or the Spirits book, because the content therein belongs to humanity and it is the spirits who are bringing it back to us. So um, that's a really interesting perspective because from the beginning, spiritism is going to attain itself, not with the idea of one person, but with the collection of different ideas from different people brought together by one editor, by one editor in chief, which has become Alain Kardec. So as these phenomena develop throughout Paris and the world, Kardec sought out to replicate them using that scientific mindset and ask the same questions of the spirits in Paris uh, that he would, ha would have asked of the spirits in Belgium or in Switzerland or in the UK or in Italy or elsewhere. And that's exactly what he does. He um, understands there are different seances and different mediumistic meetings taking place in different parts of the world. Um, he have. Uh, he has then people of those different places which do not know each other, ask the same questions, and he brings all these answers back and cross-references all these answers to see if they make sense. And the fundamental idea here behind this, all of this, is 
If an answer that was given by a group of people in Switzerland that do not know a group of people in Belgium who have gotten a very similar answer, that is a high likelihood that that answer is actually accurate. It's a scientific process, so if you will, of connecting the information from the beyond. So, and that's why I find it fascinating because with that, spiritism really becomes that science, that body of knowledge that's dynamic and ever growing. So I always like to say that spiritism has started with Alain Kardec, but it has not ended with Kardec. There is no ownership of spiritism. There is no central aggregating body for spiritism. It is meant to be a body of knowledge that continuously evolves. So different people throughout the times have added to the, the spiritist philosophy by producing more books, sharing more spiritual research, and uh, making that body of knowledge more robust and more diverse. And so it's a fascinating thing that has happened in spiritism because it has broken or at least has attempted to break that crystallization of religion that sometimes takes place where a group of people say, this is what it is and we should not ever change from this, from that initial revelation. It really becomes a matter of personal interpretation. Well, you can no longer afford that when it, when it comes to spiritism because there is no ownership. There is no, here's what spiritism concerns itself with and everything else is off the table. Um, spiritism looks at everything through a spiritual perspective. So, so what is fascinating personally for me, if you might indulge me, is because as a little kid, I always needed to know where, where how things work. Right? So I was that annoying pesky kid that would take a watch apart to see how it worked on inside. And if somebody ever told me it is because it is, that would never be a, a good enough answer for me. And spiritism has allowed me to really ask those questions out loud, even now in my adulthood, or at least, supposedly in my adulthood, right? Because growing up um, is optional, growing old is mandatory, but growing up is definitely optional. Um, and so I continue to ask with that question, why is it? And spiritism welcomes those questions because spiritism was born out of inquiry. It was born out of questions and answers with the very spirit. So it's an ever evolving um, process that continues to grow and evolve. And that's why I find it it's so interesting that as a body of knowledge, it's continuously changing. Uh, which is really interesting to me. And so that part of, of studying, it's also very important. Uh, spiritists should really pay attention to that evolving part of the spiritual revolution and continue to apply themselves to bettering themselves and to studying the world around them. And that's why sometimes we refer to spiritism as having a, a triple aspect, one of of science and inquiry, one of philosophy or thinking in general, and one of religion, which really is the application of all the knowledge for a practical and transformational purpose in oneself, right? But um, does that make sense? So, so far, uh, we see that the core of spiritism is of a dynamic one. It is a body of knowledge that's always evolving and is meant to always evolve. Kardec has in more than one occasion said that if you find anything in the spiritist foundational literature that goes against what science brings forth, we should jettison that part from spiritism and we should stick with science because that process of growing and learning is a fundamental one, not only to acquire what we traditionally call knowledge of the physical world, but also of the spiritual world. Um, so, so spiritism is always evolving much the same way we as spirits are always evolving. All right, so I'll pause there. Okay.
Now, how does that really come about? What is the, the core of spiritism? Well, you really notice here that spiritism has the word spirit in it. So we cannot talk about spiritism without talking about spirits. And the spirits really are the central idea to everything that we're talking about here. And why is that? Well, let's dive a little bit deeper because um, that sentence that we talked about before and that little story that I told you still rings true here. For, for We see that in nature for every effect there is a cause and for every intelligent effect there is an intelligent cause. So those phenomena, the tipping table, the, the wrappings um, and the materializations even and everything else that we know, a porch and everything else, seems to follow a specific order. And as we understand that tables and things and, mater and, and materials don't, cannot act by themselves, we must necessarily reach the conclusion that something or someone is acting upon these forces, uh, these materials, that these forces are acting upon our physical world to call our attention. And as our friends in the 1800s really begin to grapple with this idea, they start to make sense of it and pose questions to the steeping tables, to these wrapping tables, um, right? And they start to get answers. They develop systems. One of them is called tiptology, which I think is fascinating. I think every child in the world nowadays um, uh, might, might understand that. It's the simple idea of if, if there are knocks, if there are raps, let's assign meaning to them. Let's ask questions. One, one knock for yes, two knocks for no. And then later on, uh, we start to get answers and find it interesting and develop a more robust um, uh, 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 a system in which maybe one knock is for A, two knocks is for B, three knocks is for C, and we can put words together. And that's how it starts, right? So that's how our contact with the spirits in the modern world starts from a scientific perspective is going through that, like the spiritual telegraph, so to say, right? But imagine how long that must have taken to get a sentence out, right? To knock so many times for a simple sentence. I mean, those seances and those mediums and mediums might have taken like an hour for you to get a sentence out, right? Um, but it was proof. It was proof there was an intelligence fo intelligent force beyond those phenomena, especially if you could repeat and replicate that in different places. And, and through that communication, these forces tell us that they are actually spirits that we are all spirits. So yes, Eddie, we're all spirits, um, including those who are, as we call it, discarnate without a physical body, right? So in spiritism, we use the, the term incarnate to mean spirits who are in the flesh like us. And we use the term discarnate to mean the spirits who are outside of the flesh, who have temporarily shed their physical body and returned to their true nature for a little bit before they come back and reincarnate again. And these spirits, by this communication that's developed, uh, you know, the typology works great. Then they tell us a little bit to use a, a planchette, uh, right? Later on, they tell us to use a basket. Uh, and then later on, we have uh, their suggestion of having some people just pick up a pen that they will move the hand of that person and we arrive at mediumship. Um, so there is a development of mediumship through this that we learn with the spirits. Uh, you know, uh, mediumship 1.0 was typology, mediumship 2.0, so to speak, was uh, the baskets, mediumship 3.0 was then um, psychography, as we call it, with the act of writing, um, you know, and then and so forth and so forth. So, so spirits are the center of everything here. Spirits are the ones who are coming back 
and telling us what is it that they have learned. And in the process, they tell us that they are not different than we. The only difference is that they have had their physical experiences and now they are getting our attention from the beyond to point us to that which we already know that we are spiritual beings and it's time for us now that we have reached a level of intellectual understanding and scientific comprehension, it's time for us to really start looking towards spirituality in a more organized and scientific process. And that starts because of the spirits themselves. So at the center of spiritism, we are going to find the spirits and that communication with the spirits as a way um, to really be able to make sense of not only the world around us, but this other layer of the world that we are not aware of because we don't pay attention to the invisible forces, right? Um, so far, so far, so good. All right. So then we have the spirits. But the natural question then is, how does that relate to us? And what is the nature of spirits? What are spirits? And they start having that conversation with us as well. And they tell us exactly that, that we are all spirits having a physical experience. And that, psychologically speaking, I think is revolutionary for us when we accept that because we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and not bodies that have a spirit. Many times, because we are still in the flesh, we forget our true essence and we think that when I die, when I shed this mortal coil, as Shakespeare would have us say, I will then be a spirit. No, no, you are and you have always been a spirit. And that's an important distinction because you're not a body that has a spirit. Sometimes we even say, people say, oh, my spirit is sad today. No, you don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. You happen to have a body. You are using this body right now to learn a specific lesson um, which we can talk about it later and it's individualized for everybody, but this is not who you are. So our bodies don't matter as much as we think. Of course, they're very important for our existence, but who I am today, physically speaking, bears very little consequence of who I am as an essential and immortal spirit. And that we should therefore pay attention to each other, not from a physical perspective, but from a moral and virtuous perspective. So that begs a lot of different questions. That begs a lot of different thinking processes because when you look ourselves in the mirrors, we see ourselves at that physical representation, but that's not who we truly are. If we were to put a screen in front of us and mask our voices, would we recognize ourselves by what we say and do rather than what we look like? Uh, and that's a fundamental change that once we begin to believe in the existence of the spirit and reconcile the fact that we are spirits first and body second that comes to us. It also brings a series of other um, considerations that we should think about. For instance, the obvious uh, uh, certainty that we now have that your gender, your skin color, your height, your sexual preference, none of that none of that is of real big importance in the big scheme of things. That there should be no reason why we discriminate against each other because today I might be a man with a, a little bit of a, you know some brown skin. Tomorrow, 
I might come back in a different part of the world where genetic pool in that part of the world may have me be a woman um, of fair skin tone. It really does not matter the packaging in which we come. What's most important, it is the content inside that package. And that is what we should really focus on and try to work on, developing the contents within ourselves and not the outwardly piece. So spirits are at the core of everything that we do and realizing that we are no different than the spirits that we communicate with starts to really change our perspective because we begin to understand that the spirits that we communicate with through mediumship are nothing more but ourselves. And when that happens, we start asking questions of, should we trust them? And how do we know how to differentiate the wisdom level between this communicating spirit or that communicating spirit? Conversations for another time, but it begs the question of how are we judging our spiritual communication? Because much the same way here on earth, we have friends that we would listen to in many different topics. We also have friends which maybe would not be the great person uh, for us to run to for advice for other specific situations. So the same thing is true with the spiritual realm. The more we begin to study mediumship, the more we understand that from a spiritist perspective, we are called to be very critical about the communications that we receive and the intent and content of these communications and not in the name of the person who gives them to us, if that makes sense. So oftentimes we might get messages that are written by a very, what is considered to be a very highly elevated spirit. But when you read the content, it does not match the name beneath it. So we are called to go into critical thinking mode um, and really try to make sense of the world. So basically, we've been trying to fight spiritual fake news since the 1850s, really, really beginning to understand how is it that we can make a sense of the world, because that is something that we're called to do here in the physical world and also in the spiritual world. But I, I babble too much, and before I go an, off on many different tangents, let's move on as well um, to our origin. Because if through the contact with the spirits, we have learned that we ourselves are spirits and there are no different classes of creation. There are no uh, spirits who um, are different than others. They are perhaps just wiser, but God has not created us differently. Then we also interested in how, how, what is our origin? Where do we come from? And I think I just gave the secret there. The spirits who are more elevated than us, who are wiser than us, through these communications tell us indeed that there is a God, that there is indeed this unifying central force in the universe. And I think I've told you before that sometimes, um, I, I sometimes mention that God could also be understood as the guiding, organizing, and designing principle of the world, uh, of the universe, I should say, actually, uh, especially if you have trouble with the word God, because I think that over time, our cultures have sometimes made the word God a loaded word because of our experiences with organized religion, with other people's interpretations of what this unifying force is. Uh, but we ought to arrive at our own understanding of what this central force is, whether you call it God, the Tao, nature, the one, whatever works for you. But the spirits tell us that there is indeed this unifying and creative force that has created everything in the universe that watches over us that is extremely benevolent and kind, uh, which brings order right to everything around us. So it's a fascinating perspective because 
it comes to reassure us through empirical contact that that which we held true but was not certain of is indeed a fact, right? Um, so God becomes a central part of spiritism as well because then we have this idea that there is indeed order to the universe, that we have come from, from God. Uh, even though we as spirits don't understand exactly where we have come from because it's hard for us to understand the mind of God because we're not there just yet, uh, we know that we have this divine origin. But we also have this destiny. We also want to know, all right, so if I'm a spirit and I know where I'm coming from, then what's going to happen to me? Where am I going? Where is my destiny? And the spirits also talk to us about it, and they tell us that we are fated to evolve as immortal spirits. That we are, if there's one thing we cannot control, that God has not given us a choice over, is the fact that we must constantly evolve. Every day we learn and we grow in understanding. And we learn that as well, that this growth comes from a spiritist perspective through reincarnation, through this idea that we can come and work on different things on ourselves as many times as it takes for us to get it and to move forward. Because there is, as we talked about, a law of cause and consequence. The choices that we make today impact our days tomorrow. If those are great choices, wonderful. But if those are not so happy choices, we also are responsible for their effect. So we must take responsibility for our actions and understand that if we have caused harm to somebody or, you know, or something, we must then come and, and make up for that. We must learn to take responsibility and set that. Um, into motion and, and fix that. And, and sometimes it takes many lives because sometimes the actions that we, um, that we, that we, that we take or that we do affect people um, and we do not have a chance to make up for those in that one lifetime. So oftentimes we come in other lifetimes and have to figure that out. And that, for instance, explains why we see so much perceived injustice in the world why sometimes we see uh, people who are born in wealthy families and have all kinds of means to evolve and grow, uh, while others perhaps may not have all the facilities or all the opportunities that those people are first entrusted with. This is all a big game of continuity, so to speak. It's, it is almost as if you, let me back up and say that, I think that the way to understand the differences in our lifetime is to look at a whole movie and each lifetime is like a minute in that movie sometimes you just don't understand what's really happening here because you haven't seen the minutes before but you would understand that you know the consequences of who you are and what you're doing today are closely related with the actions that you have taken in the past even though you may not remind uh, you remember those actions now um, because it, uh, it, 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 it's good for you not to, so that you have a chance to start again and not be bogged down by your actions in the past. Sometimes um, we might have done things that are not so great to those around us in the past, and remembering those, those things might not help us move forward. So, so absolutely. So um, uh, Willow is asking, can past lives bleed into this life in a negative way? Absolutely, they can. So the actions that we have done in our past life that perhaps were not so great now are things that we now need to work on this life. 
And Kardec gives us an interesting formula for that, which is see, if every action has a, a reaction, then if you see a, a situation today that you don't have control and you cannot see how you created this in this lifetime, then it must necessarily come from one before, right? Um, so that is how you can understand your progress through the times and why is it that you are faced with the challenges that you are faced with today? Because for whatever reasons that we can't remember right now why we incarnate, these challenges are presenting themselves because of actions that we have taken in the past. And now we must learn to correct those actions and transform ourselves in ways that would lead us to evolve and grow. And so the evolutionary path is one <clears throat> that brings us hope because it, it also dissolves the idea of heaven and hell. There is no hell and there is no heaven. These are states of mind, right? That we, that we carry within ourselves. We are constantly evolving and that brings us hope. Um, and so mediumship really allows us to, to understand these through the constant contact with the spirits and understanding these concepts uh, and, and evolving and moving on, which is something we also have to do here because of time. So we're also gonna move on and look at uh, destiny. So we've looked at the dynamic body of knowledge piece. We looked at the nature and origin destiny of spirits. And now it's important for us to also look at that other last part of this definition, which I really like, which says, okay, we have the spirits, we have their nature, origin, and we understand that we are spirits, but how does that relate to the physical world? And so how do spirits relate to the physical world? And that is why it's fascinating because I feel like the greatest gift that spiritism has given me is a methodical, structured, linear, and deep appreciation of mediumship and mediumistic mechanisms of how mediumship actually works. Because mediumship is nothing more than the ability to serve as an intermediary between this physical and the spiritual realms of life. It's not a magical thing. It's not something that makes us better than other people because there are no better or worse people. They're just different people in different paths and different periods of our evolution. Mediumship begins to really be um, democratized, I feel, by the publication of this amazing book called The Medium's Book by Kardec in 1863, where you begin to have a practical guide for the understanding and practice of mediumship, knowing that all of us are mediums to a certain degree, that all of us can serve as an intermediary between the physical and spiritual realms, because all of us can feel the influence of the spirits to a certain degree. The question becomes, becomes then, to what degree can we feel that influence? Some of us um, have the physical body and have been prepared and so forth to be able to register that influence at a much higher level. And some of us can act as active conduits from the spiritual world to the physical world. Those are the ones that we traditionally call mediums, even though everybody can sense them. We call them extensive mediums in, in, in spiritism, but because we're very lazy, we drop the extensive and we just call them mediums, right? So. Um, when we say mediums, we really mean those who have this active and more pronounced ability to connect with the spiritual realm and give us messages and, and, and do that, that, uh, that interchange. But it does not negate the fact that all of us can register spiritual influence in different ways. Maybe there are some thoughts that pop into our minds. Maybe it's that we, which we call intuition, 
Maybe it's that idea that comes out of nowhere. Even when we are not aware, we are told by our good spirits that they influence our lives more than we can possibly imagine. That we sort of have a spiritual entourage, so to say, on the other side of spirits that help us and guide us even when we are not aware. And hence the importance of associating and maintaining good thoughts and having a good virtuous life or at least trying to develop virtues so that you may surround yourself with, uh, with spirits who understand your plight and help you to proceed because there is such a thing as the, you know, the law of attraction that like attracts like. So we do always try to develop ourselves to also be able to connect to the good spirits and receive the positive influences to make our way, um, our, our way forward. So mediumship is necessarily at the core of spiritism. There can be no spiritism without mediumship. And it has started, in fact, with the idea of mediumship, with the very contact with the spirits. It is a body of knowledge that it was not derived out of somebody's mind or somebody's idea. It's not the ownership of a person or an organization. It is an ownership that is spread throughout humanity. Um, and whoever wants to study it owns it, so to speak. Um, and mediumship is at the core of it because without understanding this relationship between the spiritual realm and the physical realm, the world begin, begins uh, to be still very fuzzy. We are not able to understand everything that's going on. But when we do open that perception, when we do understand that we are just temporarily here in this physical plane to learn a lesson, much the same way we go to work every day, or at least we used to go to work before COVID, right, in a physical location uh, that is different. Then we come back home at night, reflect about our day and do it again. That is one incarnation. It's but a day in our spiritual lives. One time, one period of time in which we are learning different things, much the same way that we go to work and do different tasks. So when we begin to understand that, it really changed our perception through the world because it reminds us of our immortality and how we have lived for thousands of years, if we don't know how many, and how we will do so for many more. And it brings wonderful, um, at least for me, wonderful perspectives and wonderful feelings because I know that what I am will never cease to be, that what I am will never perish because nothing ever perishes. Everything continues. Uh, who I am today will only be augmented and improved through my own efforts, through my own trials and tribulations as I progress and that the affections and the friendships and the relationships that I have developed in this lifetime who also carry with me into other and future lifetimes. Uh, much the same way that those that I have already developed in past lifetimes follow me in this lifetime as well. Uh, that is why sometimes we feel close connection to people we may have never met. We have developed that affinity sometimes that comes from previous lives. So it's a fascinating concept, but this idea of constantly studying our spiritual nature is one that is central to spiritism because spiritism was born out of inquiry. Spiritism's DNA is one of questions and answers, is one of constant evolution and constant seeking to improve oneself as we understand that we are mortal spirits. Because if we are immortal spirits, and we are, then our decision-making probably changes. We stop trying to make decisions that only benefit us here in the short term in this physical life. Because we understand that stepping on other people to gain what we want right now it's not the smartest play in the long run of things 
because if I hurt you today, I will have to make up for that later. So rather than trying to get everything I can today and now, I began to really think about how to be a better person uh, and to evolve so that I don't develop those things that I have to eventually deal with for the passing of time. Um, so spiritism is a fascinating piece. And I think that same methodology also applies to myself or to anybody else that we too are dynamic, that we too are changing, that we too should always go back to this idea that our nature is spiritual, that we have come from God, even though we don't completely understand God just yet, and that we are going to be what we sometimes call perfect spirits or spirits who are as close to the idea of God as possible with the passing of time. And that the way that we do that is interacting with the physical world and learning and keeping this bridge open between that which is spiritual and that which is physical, because both are important. But if we had to choose, we should choose the spiritual over the physical at any point in time. So um, it brings me a message of hope. It brings me also the, uh, the opportunity to constantly progress and constantly learn more about the world around me. And as I learn about the world around me, I am reassured of our continuous existence and the bonds that binds all of us together, regardless of where we were born, whether we are in the UK, uh, whether we are in you know, Poole, or whether we are here in San Diego, we truly are brothers and sisters from a spiritual perspective because we all came from the same place and we're all fated um, to, to happiness. So it brings me great joy to chat with you for a little bit. I think this is a good time for us to do questions and answers uh, because Spiritism and spiritualism are really, at the end of the day, the same thing. They are just with slightly different perspectives on some topics. And so this exercise that we do here today to come together and talk about how we do things and learn from each other, it's a beautiful thing that leads us forward and reminds us that, you know, we all work for the same boss. We're just different departments. We really are just different departments. Um, and so having this collaboration, this interchange, it's, I think it's the way to go for, for making a better world. So thank you for, for listening to me today. And I, I make myself available for any questions if you may have them. Absolutely wonderful, Dan. Uh, a lot of commendations coming in on the comments there. Thoroughly wrapped. And so much you say resonated with me. My uh, very limited understanding Spiritism, only through the works with the lovely Fabricio and your fellow spiritists over here, is my comparison was the spiritists tend to be more mind-led, more focused, more scientific in some of their approaches. Uh, I always remember Florencio Anton presented a lecture comparing brain patterns when he was working in trance and the, what evolved from there. Uh, Europeans, we tend to be more heart-focused, so we, we react to our religion or our understanding or our philosophy more on an emotional level. And sometimes, you know, it, I just feel sometimes for spiritualism, we, we tend to lose the thinking, we tend to lose the meaning of, uh, you know, life beyond mm -hmm. life beyond life. People go out and go, oh, that was a lovely message. Right, what's for tea? Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that about everybody, by all means, but we were, we were missing the depth here with spiritualism. I know for myself, pre-COVID, I, I was actually getting very 
um, tired of seeing advertising in various scenarios of a night of mediumship, a night of mediumship, a night of mediumship, a night of mediumship. And it's like, mm-hmm. why? <laughs> We've got so much to give, so much. To I think understand. it's a, yeah, I think it's a fascinating perspective, yeah. Lawrence. I think you're, uh, you, you, I really love hearing that because I hadn't thought about it that way and I love it. Um, but I wholeheartedly agree with you, especially with the mediumship piece. I mean, of course, mediumship is amazing because it has really transcended our um, expectations of what the world should look like. Um, but it also, I feel like it gets to that point where you can have those uh, validating moments where you really um, have those messages come across and you connect people and help them really bring into their hearts that, that life after life is a reality, that those we love do not die, right? And they do not stop loving um, us as we do not stop loving them. And that's a, an amazing piece and reassuring. But the question then I think that we're asked of ourselves is after that, then what, right? Because if if we using mediumship only to validate that our loved ones still persist and have not perished, which is very valid. Let me make sure that's abundantly clear. Um, we have not utilized mediumship to its fullest because if we get that feeling, but we go back to our lives and continue to lead our lives in the same ways we did before, we are missing an opportunity to understand our true selves as evolving spirits, right? Because we can also sometimes, and we all seen this, go into um, not so healthy uses of of, 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 uh, um, mediumship, where we sometimes develop this this, um, dangerous relationship with mediumship in which that we think that we need to check with the spirits about everything before we do them, right? Uh, which is not a healthy way of doing because this is your life. This is our lives. We should make those decisions. It is not for the spirits to make decisions for us. We are the ones who are in charge. But I really like the perspective because if we are able to tap into this side of mediumship that allow us, yes, to get validation that the loved ones and that we ourselves are never going to perish, that's wonderful. But if we can stretch it farther to understand that we are works in progress that need to really think differently about how we carry your lives, I think that we got more play out of this. And I think that once we do that, our understanding of how we should relate to each other while we are here changes, right? So why should I wait to tell Fabrizio, Fabrizio, I love you. I love being with you. I love talking to you. Why should I wait until you you know, discarnate when you quote, quote, die to the, why should I not value these relationships today? Why should I also look around and say, you know what? I don't know you, but you are an immortal spirit. Maybe I should help you if you need, right? So I think that it really straightens the bonds of fraternity between people um, and really tells us that we are just temporarily in different packages, right? It's, we're just in different milk cartons, so to speak, right? We're all in the same fridge. And that we just need to make sure that we take care of each other now, because today I am in this circumstance. Tomorrow I might be I might be in a different circumstance. So if we help each other today, if we are able to fully internalize that, I think that we take mediumship um, uh, to a step further. And I think I I have a, a a a feeling that that's what we really are meant to do to to really transform ourselves in service to others. Definitely, indeed. Um, there's a term everyday mediumship used by Simon James the other week, and I fully agree with that. 
you know, we, we do see it within spiritualism over here in uh, the UK and some of Europe, that there seems to be this uh, drive that everybody who walks through the door of a spiritualist church either wants to be a medium or is going to be made a medium by the committee or the governing body of that church or centre. And it's like, you know, evidential mediumship is one facet of mediumship. Mm -hmm. Being in tune, being there, being in the moment, <clears throat> recognising assistance needed, creating whatever it is, is within your power to create, that's mediumship. That, that is true mediumship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because so because by our actions, if we are able to, by example, become better people, right, and by example, influence others, we are helping spirituality be present in this world, right? So we are being intermediaries, intermediaries of a better reality and making it. I am often reminded of the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, Thy will be done and so forth, like, as in earth as in heaven, right? So our role is to bring that spirituality down, is to do, transform the way we act upon the world um, and make it better for everybody. And that does not require the conscious connection with spiritual, uh, with, spirit, with spirits, right? That's happening every day, be that transformation every day. I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it, Lawrence. I, I really wholeheartedly agree. Definitely, definitely. Not many questions coming in at the side there, but uh, as, again, as I say, people really are uh, cleaving to your words and understanding them. It's been so fascinating all through the restrictions here in the UK. My work online, uh, the spectrum was suddenly thrown open and I've had so many speakers from so many different perspectives all saying the same thing. Uh, Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Kardec called that um, to use a term like one term, the universal control of the spirits, right? So when a truth pops up in many different places by people who are unknown to each other, there's a great likelihood that we are not being fooled, right? Um, and I love that because mediumship has allowed us. In, in a way, there is a mediumistic and an act happening right now. I am beaming into the virtual world, and so are you, right? This platform is being the intermediary between us, and we are being able to have these conversations that, like you said, we would not have before because we're not physically present. So we've, I think spirit is awaking us to the fact that uh, there's a lot to be learned in, in many different ways. Very much so. I don't want to go too deep in that subject because actually that is the subject for the address for the service I'm taking tomorrow. <laughs> so I've got confirmation I'm on the right track. So that's lovely. We all like that. <laughs> may I, may I add one thing here? So I see yeah, a, you like. a comment, a comment, a comment by Jamie, Jamie Williamson says, then what is the role of mediumship from a spiritist perspective and how does that refer to that of spiritualism? And Jamie, that's a great question. Um, I think that mediumship is mediumship, right? Um, it is just the, the capacity and the act to be the intermediary that we talked about. But what I think is fascinating, I think it goes to what Lawrence was speaking, and I think I try to allude to this too, is um, there are different uses of mediumship, but there is fundamentally the same process, right? I think it's great to be aware of what the process is so that we can better leverage mediumship. So there's, there is a benefit to studying mediumship and its mechanisms to understand how it works. But one interesting thing that I have noticed that goes exactly to what Lawrence was saying is that there seems to be, at least historically speaking, a slight different approach 
um, in continental mediumship, so to speak, and um, you know, UK mediumship over time. Um, you know, I feel like the the French folks, like Alain Kardec and so forth, at one point in time, they got satisfied with the fact that mediumship was indeed true. And then they began to focus more on what are the daily applications or the content that we can um, gather from mediumship. Uh, whereas in the UK, I feel like the experiential and evidential mediumship piece still remain very strong. So just different ways of like leveraging mediumship, which are the same thing, but have given a slightly different flavor. So, um, so I see that in spiritualism, traditionally, you still have these open sermons and opportunities to really have the readings and everything else, right? A night of mediumship and so forth. And for spiritists, we have taken a road of saying, you know what? I think we've kind of understood that. Let's try to figure out what else can we learn from this. So it's kind of like different approaches of using the same tool. And so mediumship in spiritism will oftentimes not be done as openly as spiritualists do in open sessions, right? Uh, uh, mediumship in spiritist context would often be done in a study group of people who commit themselves to study mediumship uh, privately together for a period of time. And then uh, we will do what sometimes spiritualists call rescue work work we will have a group of um, i'll give you an example if you're curious of about you know four or five mediums and then we were going to have another three or four or five people who are not extensive mediums but sometimes we call them dialoguers or clarifiers or counselors um, and then we will have multiple communications from suffering spirits who sometimes have not uh, understood that they have crossed over because they don't have the concept of spirituality just yet. Um, and then there's a lot of counseling that goes on in the spiritist practice to these spirits to kind of uh, remind them that they have indeed crossed over, right? Which is not that different from a lot of the work that you guys also do. It's just that we take a slightly different approach to different things. So I am always fascinating, fascinated by that beautiful diversity of approaches that Divini has given us to tackle the same challenge uh, in different ways. Uh, so, so that's one thing that I always find very interesting that we are leveraging the same tool in slightly different ways, sort of for the same purpose, but with different flavors. I hope that gives you a little bit of insight, Jamie, um, for, for how spiritists use uh, uh, mediumship. A lot of our focus on mediumship has also been through what we call psychography um, that you sometimes call channeling, right? Uh, or writing. Uh, we use the term psychography because we like to qualify mediumship in different ways because they're every mediumship is different. Everybody has different types of mediumship. And the psychography is the one which you can, through the intuition or direct approach, you can actually write, right? So automatic writing is a term that you guys use and so forth and so forth. Um, so for us, it is a tool for growth and developing philosophy, but also service to others, right? It's very important to us that we leverage everything that we do to service to others whether it is to help those who have uh, discarnated uh, and who have are not aware of that, or, or sometimes it's also to help those who, um, and this might not be a surprise to you at all, but sometimes it's also to help those who are suffering from severe spiritual influence while still here in the physical world. Um, sometimes we, I think you, you in spiritualism, you might use the word attachments. Um, in spiritism, we use the term obsession. Um, when <clears throat> a spirit perhaps is hurt by an action that somebody has done to them. And after they pass, they continue to spiritually obsess the incarnate uh, 
trying to obtain revenge. So there's a lot of counseling there. It's like almost like a, a family counseling that goes on spiritually uh, that uh, we try to do to show that this carnate spirit that try to negatively influence an incarnate, it's not to their own advantage because we need to create, uh, we need to cut that cycle because, you know, now I might be incarnate and you might be discarnate. Tomorrow you might be incarnate and I might be discarnate. And so if an eye for an eye is really the way we're going to go about doing things and relationships, we're never going to get better, right? So, so there's a different uh, kinds of uh, approaches that we take. But I think that mediumistically speaking, the process is the same. I think that we just really like to dive uh, into, into how the mechanism works to understand that. So I don't know if that's too much or too little, but I hope it gives you a little bit of insight, Jamie, into how um, we, we look into, into this. That was absolutely, so many people have loved that. And that you, you've awoken something that I knew, but I hadn't actually brought to my mind. You, we are spirit, obviously. We are spirit, as you say, incarnate and discarnate. With the spiritus and the way you were just talking and with that passion as well, the equal attention between the two different states is very apparent. From the spiritualist and probably from the UK point of view of spiritualism, and please people, I'm not trying to offend you, but you know me and it just comes naturally we tend to think right what's spirit going to do for me what you know what are they going to do for me how are they going to help me how are they going to improve my philosophy how are they going to improve my mediumship and it's a very one-way street at times you know and i've been saying for a long time spirit is intelligence you know it's not a balloon that we hold at the end of our arm they are intelligent they are us mm -hmm. the same stuff as we go through and absolutely we, yeah we have a duty to each side of life to work together and to grow and to help that's yes. so lovely that is yes lovely. yes Sorry. yes waggling <laughs> no no absolutely finger 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 pistols um yeah. absolutely there's in fact a beautiful question one of my favorite questions from the spirits book is a question that's posed to the spirits it's question 132 and i know the number not because i memorize every question just because I really like that question, people. So just to be curious, sometimes people say, oh, you know all these questions by heart. No, I don't. <laughs> I just have a couple. And I mentioned their numbers. And it sounds like I'm really smart, but I'm not. I just remember that one. And that one is really interesting because Kardec uh, or whoever else asked the spirits, and what is basically the purpose of life, right? And the incarnation. And the spirits give uh, an answer that took me a while to really digest personally. Because the first part of the answer is, well, you're here to evolve. That's why you incarnate, right? To learn and grow. But I've missed the second part of that answer. And it's something to the effect that they say that, and you also have to play your part in the creation. So we are here to evolve, yes, and learn. But we also have an innate responsibility to help others, to give back. And I think that it might have taken a while for me to grab that because I was in that mindset of, look, what is it in for me? Right? How do I grow and how I learn? Well-intentioned, well-intentioned, right? But then when I read that again some other time, like many years later in my life, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's not just about me growing. The part of my growth is also that of giving others, of reflecting that light, of making a difference in the life of others, of paying it forward. Right. So I think that's a fascinating aspect that we are beginning to wake up to as a society, that um, my well-being 
cannot be just dictated by myself. That's important for me to help others much the same way others must help us. So in learning, there's a necessary component of being a service to others. It is in doing that we learn, right? And so I think that what you said, Lawrence, is a beautiful awareness that I think we all need to pay attention to. We must give too, right? Uh, and it's in giving that we receive. Like it is in giving that we learn and we also have that two-way street. So I think that the calling of our times to awaken to that service, that service to others. Um, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And, and spirits are us. So we cannot just ask that they're going to do our bidding, right? It just doesn't work that way. Uh, one of our famous mediums in Brazil um, has mentioned that he's like a telephone, right? He can call to the spirit world, but he's, he cannot guarantee that they'll pick it up over there, right? Uh, so... It's 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 not about like oh yeah I can guarantee you that I'm I'm able to communicate with the spirit you cannot because that spirit on the other side might decide not to or might be in a position not to accept that communication right if I call you collect you might decline my call right or you have caller ID spiritually speaking you might say who's calling and say no nah, don't want to talk to you right we all have that needy <laughs> friend that talks us to us all the time and they would send to voicemail I'm like no nope, figure it out figure it out by yourselves I'm not going to be repeating the same thing right. So he really transcends our identity of what mediumship is. It's not a special gift that makes us better. It's an ability that we all have, some more than others, that it needs to be used for good purposes, like any other ability that we have, right? So I think it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful part, a beautiful piece. Dan, what a brilliant evening! Absolutely stonking. I'm so grateful to you. And thank you, Fabricio, for organizing it. Absolutely great. Uh, everybody watching, I know from the comments uh, that you're going to take a lot from this. And the beautiful thing is now, Dan, this tonight's event will be uh, available on the church Facebook page for as long as we have a church Facebook page. And I know that this night will be a very good source of reference for people hard teaching understanding perspective that and that, that's really good that is so cool that's lovely oh we nothing would please me more than to be of service right to be helpful uh, and i thank you for for opening the space and for maintaining this dialogue i think that the things that you and fabrizio are doing of really bringing divinity into practice by reaching across and seeing hey we have different names but we're not that all different mm. i think that's the really the divine thing that's happening here that's really to be commended and all of you guys are listening as well it's time for us to open ourselves up and connect with those who are near us so uh, if we can be of assistance in any different way let us know um i mean obviously i love talking about this uh, it has transformed my life i really has like i'm beginning to see the world anew when i consider the spiritual side of things so thank you thank you for the invitation no, absolutely wonderful. And thank you again also, especially taking time out in the middle of a house move to do this evening. I so appreciate it. <laughs> so, Lawrence, I think what we need to do is to convince them to move over to pool rather than move two blocks away from his current <laughs> home. Maybe we need to convince him to move to pool and bring him closer to us. <laughs> oh, I, I think Dan is exactly where he needs to be. I think all these spirit centers, we've all been put in the right place at the right time for the right. Indeed. Place. Indeed. Uh, so don't well mess up plan, Fabricio. Somebody will get. <laughs> 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 
I've had a bolt of light. <laughs> Dan, Patricio, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. Beautiful evening. Everybody watching, thank you so much for your attention. I hope you've got as much out of that as uh, I have because that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you. And we wish you good night or good afternoon or good morning, Dan. San Diego. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to San Diego. I want to go to the zoo. <laughs> there you go. Come visit. I have a yearly membership. This is where I go when I don't know what to do with my kids. Come visit. <laughs> <laughs> Take you up on that. <laughs> Gentlemen, I wish you a very good day, good evening, and good night. Thank you.